0: Praise God, Jesus is coming, good things ahead, we're anticipating good things, can you say amen? And so the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's pray, and then I'm going to uh, share with you this morning, uh, the best I know how, with the Lord's help, and we trust there will be uh, importations of truth and, and grace that would increase in our lives, amen? Father, we do thank you for uh, the privilege to gather together in the name of Jesus. We thank you for everything that that name means. Uh, We ask in that name, Lord, that we would have changes, that we would have, uh, Father God, uh, illumination of heart that we'd be able to see. Uh, Lord, we purpose, Lord, in sin that we just not allow these things to get away from us, but that we're doers, that we walk in the light of them. I pray, Father, that you would give me utterance. Uh, to speak, uh, words to uh, share, and that we'd all have ears to hear, Lord God, so that you could, uh, uh, Father God, perfect us and uh, take us uh, further on into you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. I've had, uh, you know, some several things that we've been ministering on lately. Uh, Wednesday night has been really good. And prayer school has been really good. And uh, so uh, this morning, I, uh, I felt like the Lord led me a particular way that I had never ministered on before. And so uh, I believe I'm going to uh, do that. And uh, I believe that we're going to glean from it and learn from it and receive from it. So I think for a text this morning, let's go to find Luke chapter 15. We'll start there. And uh, let's just read the Great Commission as well. Mark 16 and Luke 15. We'll start in Mark. Mark 16. And I printed my notes off my iPad this morning. And usually I print them off my uh, notebook computer. And usually they're smaller. And so... Uh, it ended up being more pages than I thought it was, so uh don 't get scared we 'll <laughs> we 'll try to hit the high points. Does that sound good and believe with us amen uh i 'm going to call my message this morning a duty to warn. And uh, that's uh, a little bit more of a sober approach, but uh, uh, I believe that it's good for us to consider these things. Mark chapter 16 and uh, verse uh, 14 says, Afterward he, Jesus, appeared unto the leaven, that is, after his resurrection from the dead. We're nearing Easter. He appeared to the leaven as they sat at meat, King James, for they were eating food. And he upbraided them. Uh, Jesus was not, you know, uh, complimenting them here at this point. (laughs) He upbraided, that means that he uh, corrected them uh, uh, and took, uh, you know, opposition to what their attitudes has been. he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And uh, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he, say but, but he that believes not shall be damned or condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. Uh, They'll take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it'll not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And he is there today. Amen? And they, in obedience, uh, went forth and uh, preached everywhere, it says the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Can you say amen to the reading of the Great Commission? So this is what the Lord had instructed the disciples to do uh, after uh, that he had uh, been raised from the dead to, to do and obey uh, this commission. Uh, how many's ever seen a bridge out before? I know just recently up on Highway E, they redid a bridge reconstruction and a bridge was out. How many remember a few years ago down at Weber Falls, just uh, not far from here, that the bridge on I-40 fell, you know, because a tugboat had hit it? How many remember that incident? Uh, A captain of a tugboat hit a uh, supporting column or several of them underneath the interstate, And uh, in weakening that undergirding and that structure, a whole span of the interstate fell off into the Arkansas River. And, of course, it was like at uh, about this time of the year, it was actually in May of 2002, and that span fell off in the river. And, of course, people are traveling down the interstate at 75 miles an hour, and cars and trucks went off of that prefaces and fell into the river. And uh, I read a little bit of that last night when I was thinking along this line. And uh, some people, there was some uh, fishermen that were preparing for a bass tournament down beneath on the river. And they saw it happen, and they talked about how surreal it was to actually actually see vehicles going over, uh, you know, that's like a movie scene, uh, cars and trailer trucks going over and then falling, uh, you know, like 100 feet into the river. And I think 14 people lost their lives. Uh, five people were able to get out. But uh, in the attempt to uh, warn people about that prefaces and the danger that was there, uh, one of the fishermen actually uh, had a flare gun in his boat and actually tried to get up there and shoot a flare up so that it could be seen above the highway to slow the traffic down from going over that prefaces. And uh, also... Uh, finally, I think one of the truck drivers realized what was happening, and he was able actually to jackknife his truck and block both lanes so that more cars didn't go over that precipice. But uh, people were trying to stop other people from going and uh, experiencing the same destruction that other people had. And so um, uh, in connection with that, if you can conceptualize or visualize a bridge out, Uh, if someone puts a sign up informing me that a bridge is out, is that a negative thing? That's not a negative thing, right? Uh, Does a person really love me if he sees me heading toward catastrophe and elects to warn me? No. So it would be actual love to warn a person. So the Bible says here, we just read it, he that believeth, He that believes shall be and baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not uh, shall be damned, or he will be condemned. So, uh, you know, we don't need to get confused that our calling and our assignment uh, is proclaiming the good news. How many knows Jesus is a story of good news? It's the good news about how he died to save the world, And just like we read, you know, he directed his disciples to go into all the world and tell the good news. But he also said, and adds too, whoever doesn't believe will be damned. Can you say amen? Or experience eternal destruction. Now, you know, if people accept the good news up front, we preach the good news, that's great. You don't have to tell them the bad news. (laughs) Right? If people believe the good news, you don't have to tell them the bad news. But if they reject the good news, then we have a responsibility in one sense, uh, you know, in love, to be a part of being able also to warn people uh, that there is eternal destruction if uh, a person doesn't accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Say with me. The gospel is good news. Amen. And we rejoice over that. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, what, will not perish, but have life eternal. So that's good news. But did Jesus muddy the water when he also brought up the fight of those that reject the gospel? Well, it's part of love to be aware that if a person doesn't receive the Lord, then there is consequences after that. Amen? So we encourage people to follow Jesus and to follow his words. How many encourage Jesus to follow, people to follow Jesus and his teaching and his words? Uh, but we don't want to just smorgasbord and take part of what Jesus told us to, uh, to share with people, Right? Uh, Let's read Luke 15, a story that Jesus told in Luke 15. Now, I'm ministering in this direction because I believe the Lord wanted me to. And so believe with me that that we're able to get the the import of this and do it in the right spirit. Amen? Uh, Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, uh, a certain man, no, not uh fifteen eleven uh, fifteen um, sixteen, excuse me. Sixteen. Verse nineteen. Says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Now is this red letters in your Bible? So the certain rich man was clothed in purple. He had very fine clothing. He fared sumptuously. He ate well every day. In contrast, there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from here to you cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from there. Then he said, I pray you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So hell here is called a place where there's fire, where it's a place of torment, right? It's a place of pain. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Verse 31, And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. So this is a sobering story. But it's also part of Jesus' teaching. Can you say "Man"? And it should be considered, and, and of course we love to talk about the goodness of God, and God is good. Can you say "Man"? But we also need not neglect these passages that the Lord used to warn us about eternal destruction. And thank God, I'd say, you know, hopefully everyone here, or the majority of everyone here already knows the Lord, and this is not your eternal destination. But it helps us to keep this in mind uh, for other people that don't know the Lord. Now, I've used this passage before, and I've talked from this passage about, uh, especially about the inner man and the outer man and about spirit, soul, and body. And he knows that it wasn't the end when the man's body physically died. Because the Bible teaches that death never means extinction or cessation, that death means separation. And to die physically does not mean you cease to exist. It means that you are separated from your body. Right? And so when the rich man died, when Lazarus died, uh, you know, they were buried. Their physical bodies were buried. But that was not the end. And the Bible teaches us that there's an outer man and an inner man. And the spirit of man is like the hand in the glove and the body is like the glove. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians in one place that he knew a man, and most scholars say that they, you know, that he was himself that he was speaking of, that he knew a man in Christ, uh, he said above 14 years before that, that was caught up to paradise and heard things. And he said, whether well, in the body or out of the body, I couldn't tell. So being out of your body is a whole lot like being in your body. You notice here that the, uh, the rich man that died, uh, he had all of his memory intact. He could still recognize people. People say, well, we recognize each other when we get to heaven. Well, do you recognize people on the earth? He recognized Lazarus. Lazarus recognized him. Abraham recognized him, right? Uh, he had all the sensations. He could feel. He could see. He could hear, right? In fact, you're more alive and more sensitive out of your body, and there's less dullness in this vehicle than there would be out of it. Uh, The Bible just teaches that because this realm, uh, this earthly life, is a physical realm, we need a physical body to be in this realm. And if you lose your physical body here, uh, if your physical body shuts down, then you lose uh, the, the, the ability to abide in this realm that's why uh, you know uh, spirits without bodies evil spirits uh, seek to possess people's body because they don't have any way of expressing themselves in this uh, in this natural world without uh, being uh, possessed and having somebody's body to express that right so the real you uh, you know all of us sitting here this morning uh, the Bible says it's appointed unto a man once to die, and after that to judge it. I'm not trying to be morbid, and the gospel is the good news. But you appreciate the good news better if you know what the good news has saved you from. <laughs> so, in a sense, this is extra good news to talk about what we've been saved from. But it's good in the sense also that it heightens our... Uh, 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 you know, our motivation to be aware of where other people are and to realize the path their own and to have some sobriety about, uh, you know, uh, life after this life, uh, the choices that we make in this life, whether we trust Christ to be our Savior or not, does determine our eternal destiny. And like, you know, I heard, uh, you know, as a child, uh, some preachers say there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun and as wonderful as heaven is hell is uh is is just the opposite it's separation from god and of course god is love god is life god is light so in hell there's no light the bible calls it dark it calls it outer darkness darker than no darkness can be here Uh, There's no end to it because the Bible says the worm doesn't die there. There's no, the incorruptness, uh, the corruptibility never ceases. It never comes to an end. And it is a very, very bad place of torment. And so, uh, uh, you know, if you believe the Bible, you have to believe all the teachings of Jesus. And the teachings of Jesus (laughs) includes the doctrine of hell. And whether we would like to be, uh, you know, whether that would be our favorite thing to be our doctrine, uh, whether we want it to be or not, it is a reality. And so there is an element that, you know, if you talk about hell in a lot of churches, uh, you know, people will say things like, well, we don't believe that a loving God could send someone to hell, and they don't even believe in hell, but it's in direct contradiction of the Bible. I believe Uh, in God's love to the extent that I believe there is a hell. I mean, just like, you know, if a politician, say someone was running for sheriff in our county and and his platform was, I'm a really good sheriff, and so there's not going to be any jail, there's not going to be any prison, and I'm not going to put anybody in prison or punish anybody for any wrongdoing. Would you want a sheriff like that? You wouldn't think that he had your best interests at heart or was actually protecting you. And in the world to come, if people are not going to change, how many knows the devil isn't going to change? What did he do after he was bound a 1,000 years in the bottomless pit? It said immediately upon his release after a 1,000 years, he went out to deceive the nations. He is never going to change. So he has to be separated from us for God to have us in a kingdom where there's going to be uh, the glory and the joy and the privileges and, uh, and the experience the good things of God. And so people say, well, I don't believe in hell. Well, then you don't believe in one sense in the love of God or the justice of the integrity of God. I believe there is a hell. I believe there should be some warnings about hell. I should be, we should be aware of those things uh, because Jesus said those things and they are scriptural and they're part of the Bible. <laughs> knows I mean, we need the whole counsel of the word of god and not just pick parts of it <clears throat> and so uh, you know uh, you know uh, like one person said you know i don't like or believe in hellfire and brimstone preaching well uh, i don't know when the last time i've heard a hellfire and brimstone preacher <laughs> i think that we perhaps got in a ditch on the other side of the road and not made aware people aware of, and warn people in connection with the gospel that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. But we do it in love. Can you say, man? Not in a condemnatory sense. I know a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, I kind of grew up, uh, you know, after my parents, you know, uh, get got saved and got spirit filled, and sometimes we'd hear messages, you know, to the saints. You know, uh, you know, turn or burn, shake or bake, and they were <laughs> and they were preaching to the saints about going to hell. I'm not preaching to you about going to hell this morning. If you know Christ, thank God. if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. That old path to destruction is gone. You're not on that path anymore. But in our outreach and having a heart for the lost, we do need to remind ourselves where people that do not trust Christ are going to ultimately end up if we do not take the responsibility in love to preach the good news to them. And I think that's healthy for us. Can you say, man? And it's healthy for our vision. And if it's done in the right way, it's proper and right. Can you say, man? Sit say with me. There is a heaven to gain. And there is a hell to shun. And say this with me. Jesus talked about, he preached and taught about the reality of eternal destruction and hell. Amen. So again, if we're going to take all of the the teachings of Jesus, we don't need to just take the parts that's pleasant to us. Uh, We need to take the whole counsel of the word of God and be aware of these things. So Jesus told this. This is a gripping story. Are you still here? This man, after he died, he, he became conscious that he was in hell. And he could see. Uh, across a chasm that uh, divide that couldn't be uh, uh, transferred across, he could see Lazarus comforted in Abraham's bosom. Uh, How many knows that that would be the ultimate of the saying, uh, you know, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence? (laughs) That is, (laughs) I'm not trying to be funny this morning because this is a sobering subject, but to be in hell and look across and see somebody in Abraham's bosom in paradise, which after Jesus uh, died, Abraham's uh, bosom, uh, from all my understanding of the Word of God, was a place that departed spirits went to before uh, the, the Jesus died. But after uh, Jesus died, it says he led captivity captive, and it says he even ministered and preached to those in prison. Uh, you know, they had heard about the, the the promise of the coming Messiah, but I believe that he preached to them, and they that believed they went with him then. And uh, the Bible talks about, you know, when, uh, you know, uh, after Jesus died from the resurrection, not going to Abraham's bosom, Abraham being the father of our faith and those being in his bosom, those that believe with faithful father Abraham. But when we believe the Bible teaches us, Paul said, uh, you know, to depart and be with Christ is far better. So when we pass as Christians from this life to the next life, we go to be with Christ. We don't go to Abraham's bosom. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So all this stuff about soul sleep or being dead like a dog is completely uh, wrong with the Bible. Stuff like, you know, incarnation. You're going to come back as, you know, Uncle Joe's pig or, or Aunt Betsy's, you know, cat. Or, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews it's appointed unto man once to die. And after you die, the judgment. So the Bible refutes reincarnation. The Bible refutes soul sleep. The Bible refutes being dead like a dog or being an angel on a cloud or something like that, some subconsciousness or universal, uh, you know, mentality or something like that. The Bible teaches that if you die in your sins in this life, Uh, then you will experience uh, a separation from God and ultimately judgment, and you'll go to hell. But if you accept Christ Jesus, Jesus himself said, go into all the world and preach the good news, and him that believes and is baptized, he will be saved. And to him that believeth not, that is something Jesus said as well. He'll be damned or he will be condemned. Can you say amen? So is it love to warn a person about eternal judgment or to warn a person about a bridge being out? Uh, Absolutely. That is a a true function of love if it's done in the right spirit. Now, we're not talking about, you know, condemning Christians. I'm not preaching anything that should condemn you this morning. You should go out of here shouting glory this morning that that you're not going to this place that this man went to. Uh, you know, I like something that Brother Pear uh, said. Pear said when he was here, he talked about, uh, you know, three voices, and one of the voices was the voice of hell. What would uh, if we could if we could put a transmission from hell today on the screen and interview people in hell? Uh, what would the voices or the witness from hell be today? It would be the same as this man was. What would be people saying? People would be saying, just bring me a little bit of water to put on the tip of my tongue. I'm so tormented in this fire. They would also be saying, send somebody to my family, send somebody to my brother, send somebody to my sisters that they don't come into this awful place. Right? And that's reality. Amen? Amen? Sometimes we get so busy with our life, and, and thank God, God wants us to enjoy life, but we lose consciousness of the fact, uh, of the sobriety, of, of the importance of being able to share Christ with, and the consequences if we don't share Christ. And I know there's been times that I have uh, uh, not acted upon a leading of the Spirit of God to share Christ with someone uh, you know, or 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 was because of fear of what people thought backed off of that. But I purposed in my heart and over the last little bit gained more boldness and more desire to share Christ even at the expense of no matter what people think. Can you say amen? Uh Let's look at uh, uh, this. Like we said, this teaches the inner and the outer man. It teaches the reality of heaven and hell. Uh, it teaches the brevity of life. Uh, to incorporate sobriety into life. Uh, It also teaches us that life is, uh, uh, like I said, brief, and uh, I often liken this to uh, going to the airport. Uh, When you look at the screen at the airport, what do you see? Arrivals and departures, right? And, uh, you know, we got arrivals coming all the time, right? Right? I mean, I saw Gemma this morning, and where's Jonah? He's a, just a recent arrival, right? And Ella and, you know, these other kids, uh, Nora and different ones, they just got here, right? Well, there's people just getting here that are arrivals, and then there are people that are leaving here, departures. Do you have any idea how many departures are happening You mind if I tell you? About at current, uh, with the population of the earth, and this was like uh, uh, about a year ago, 151,600 individuals uh, go to the great beyond every day. 151,000 people will leave the earth today. Wow. Wow. That's about 8 out of every 1,000, which breaks down to 6,316 an hour. So during church this morning while we're here, of course I usually don't preach very long, so we're out. (laughs) I'm teasing. If we're here for two hours, 13,000 people have left this earth. That's a city about the size of what, Salem Springs? have left here while we're here. Uh, That breaks down to about, uh, when you break it down into minutes and in seconds, about two people pass this life every second. So, people are leaving this life that fast. And so, then they face eternity, whether they either go to heaven or they go to hell. Can you say amen? So this is just reality. Can you say amen? Now, of course, right now there's more people being born than there is people uh, leaving, and so the population is growing. But unless Jesus' tears is coming, nobody gets out of here alive. All of us are going to die. Can you say amen? And you say, well, that's not good news. Well, the good news is because you've accepted Christ, when you do, you're going to be in his presence. Can you say Amen. Can anybody shout about this morning that you're born again and saved? Hallelujah. Say it with me. I'm saved and I'm glad. Hallelujah. But then again, love desires for other people to experience eternal life as well. So that's why we pray. That's why we labor. Can you say amen? And that's why we have sermons like this on occasion. Amen. So Jesus told this story about the man that, uh, that went to hell and it wasn't a good place to be in. Can you say amen? And uh, he wanted in his message from hell, and if we could hear uh, what hell is saying today, it would be go tell my loved ones, go tell my relatives not to come this place. Warn them. So is it love? Do we have a duty to warn? Yes, we do. I'm going to try that again. Do we have a duty to warn? Yes, we do. Amen. In love to share the good news of the gospel. Uh, go with me to, we're in Luke. Let's look at another passage here. Uh, we'll, we'll read it out of Matthew. It's in both. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. We're talking about words of Jesus. Was it love for those fishermen to shoot the flare up to try to get people to stop? Was it uh, love for the truck driver to pull his truck across both lanes and jackknife his truck to keep people from going over there? Well, in the natural, uh, to keep people from going over that precipice uh, into that uh, river, uh, how much more greater? is the reality or the consequences of uh, people going out of this life into the next life without knowing the Lord. Can you say amen? Uh, are y'all still all right with this message? Hopefully you are, because I don't have anything but to go forward with it. And y'all know me, I'm just, uh, you know, out to try to please the Lord. And uh, if, I, if I don't hit it right, will y'all understand my heart that I was trying to hit it? And so I believe that the Lord put this on my heart. And if, if I missed it, that's fine. But if I don't, that's, you know, good. We're to receive it. Amen. Uh, Jesus not only told the story about the man, uh, the rich man in Lazarus that we just read, Matthew 10 and 28. Here's another red letter verse uh, that Jesus said. He said, fear not them which kill the body. Say that with me. Fear not them that kill the body. So are we supposed to be afraid? Somebody says, I'm going to cut your head off or your witness for Christ. Are you to be fearful of them? The Bible says, don't fear them. In fact, your lack of being intimidated is a witness to the reality of the, the, the of heaven and of the truth that you've got through the gospel. If you're not afraid and you were to say, well, you can cut my head off, but this is just the outer man that I live in, and if I die for the witness of Christ, I will be resurrected. And God loves you, and I hope that you make that same decision uh, to give your life and heart to Christ. And you don't have to be afraid. Say it with me. I don't have to be afraid or be intimidated by the world, or unbelievers, or by threats, or persecution, or even a martyrdom. I do not have to be afraid of those that kill the body. Hold your place there. We'll come right back here. But in Philippians, that's what Paul told the uh, Philippians. If I can find it quickly. It's not part of my notes. Philippians chapter 1. He said this to the Philippians. He was talking about to depart and be with Christ is far better, verse 23. Remember? He said, verse 21, he said, for me to live is what? Christ. And to die is what? Gain. Not pain, not strain, but gain. Now we need to get our mind renewed in that area. If we've had loved ones that knew Christ and have went on and passed this life, then uh, they've gained. They've graduated. They have have entered into their rewards. And they're eternally secure in God. Can you say amen? Uh, So he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. He said, "What I'm going to choose, I don't know." He said, "I'm in a strait." He said, "I'm between a rotten and a hard place, uh, between two, having a desire to depart." He said, "I'm wanting to get out of here." And he knows this earth is a trash can compared to heaven. Amen. What, would you rather hang around Jesus or hang around nutty people? <laughs> I didn't call any names, but I mean, we we don't have to grieve when we leave here. Amen. If I leave, shout for me. Can you say amen? He said, uh, to depart and be with Christ is far better, not just a little better. He said, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He said, it's better if I stick around. It'll be a blessing to you. He said, uh, and having this confidence, he said, I've got faith in my heart. I know that I'm going to abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Right, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Verse twenty-seven, he said, "In light of this, only let your conversation, and this is an old King James word that actually means manner of life or conduct, let your lifestyle, your manner of conduct, do be what as becomes the gospel or good news of Christ." Your life and my life uh, is to be as becomes or becoming, if something is becoming, it's pleasant or, or it's good, good in regard to the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Verse twenty-eight. And in what? In nothing terrified by your adversaries. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them, that is your adversaries, an evident token of perdition, or that is loss, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Say it with me. I have the privilege both to believe and to suffer. Amen. Now this is talking about suffering rejection, suffering reviling, suffering mocking, suffering the, you know, the... Uh, condemnation of people that think uh, l- believing in the Lord and the good news is a farce or a myth, right? And uh, the marginalization or the rejection that you experience from people because of your belief in Christ, he said that you've got the privilege of that. The Bible says if we suffer with him, we'll also be glorified together. Can you say Amen. And so he told these guys at the, the Philippi, the church at Philippi, he said, don't be terrified by nothing about your adversaries. Don't let them intimidate you in any way. He's, he's saying basically when you're not intimidated by them, it's a witness to them that you are born again, that you're saved, and you're eternally secure. Because in the face of them saying, we're going to kill you or take you or imprison you or do whatever to you, and you don't have any fear of them, then it's saying to them that your belief system is something that secures your life far beyond their intimidation. Can you say amen? So when you can be confident and unafraid when people threaten you or intimidate you uh, because of your beliefs in Christ, it's because that you know that you're right with God and that your faith in Christ has given you eternal life. And that's an evident token to them of their perdition or their loss because they don't have that same confidence or they don't have that same assurance. Have you got that confidence insurance this morning? If they said, okay, United States is going to be uh, an ISIS nation and we're going to take all Christians out behind the church and cut your head off, and they walked through the back the back doors this morning and said, uh, you know, you're going to die for your witness in Christ. And unless you recant and and say that Jesus is a farce and you're not going to serve him, we're going to cut your head off. I don't have any choice. I can't deny the one who didn't deny me. He said, if you deny me before men, he said, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. But he said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father and the angels of heaven. Because this life is short, but eternity is long. Can you say amen? But we need to have this kind of resoluteness and this kind of identification with Christ and this kind of of a perception of eternity and uh, live, uh, as it says here, that our lifestyle and our conduct becomes is becoming to the gospel of Christ or adorns correctly the, the gospel or the good news of Christ. Now, we hadn't done it. You hadn't done it as well as you should have, and I haven't done it probably as well as I should have. But our lives ought to adorn the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There shouldn't be any reproach. When people look at our lives and they say something about our lifestyle uh, that doesn't adorn the gospel of Christ, we should get rid of anything that doesn't bring glory to God. If you want to hear something else, then you'll have to go to another church. All I know to do is shoot straight. Darren used to always tell me, Brother Tim, preach it gun barrel straight. That's the only way I know to do it. (laughs) Are you still here? Whether it's me or you, we all—we're not throwing any rocks. We're just like—we need to get our divine order in our lives so that our lives do not bring any reproach to the good news of the gospel of Christ, but it adorns it. For example, if you're a lazy employee and you steal time from your company, are you still here? Or are you steal from your company that doesn't bring—that uh, brings reproach to the gospel of Christ. Right. If you're embezzling money from your employer, stop it. Let him that stole steal no more. Can you say Amen? If you tell lies to other people, that doesn't bring glory to the gospel of Christ. If you lose your temper and curse people out, when you do, uh, you need to, you know, uh, you know, get that under uh, the self-control of the Holy Spirit helping you have self-control so that you don't bring reproach to the gospel of Christ. If you're living in fornication or adultery, you need to repent. Can you say amen? And get out of things that would bring reproach to the gospel of Christ. We have a responsibility to reflect the image of the Lord Jesus Christ because he's coming back. He could come back today. He could come back tomorrow. Uh, there's a heaven, there's a hell, and there's a witness, and we want to live for the glory to Him, and we want to be bold in our confession and bring glory to Him with our lifestyle in this life. Now, we're not talking about mistakes that we've made in yesterday. We've all made mistakes, and we all have to get things under the blood of Jesus, but let's get it under the blood of Jesus and to the best of our ability. Live a pure life, live a holy life, live a life that glorifies God, and live a life that's a strong witness for the glory of God. Amen? Praise God. So, in nothing intimidated or in nothing fearful, because the here's the thing, the fear of God works in proportionality with the fear of man. If you fear man, Proverbs 29 says the fear of man brings a snare. Well, what's a snare? A snare is something that catches an animal unaware, a trap. So if you're overly concerned about what people think about you, then in proportion to that is the more you think about what people think about you, the less you think about what God thinks about you. But if you fear God, the more you think about what God thinks about you, then the less you care about what people think about you. So to have the fear of God frees you from the fear of man. Well, what if I stand up in this whole bunch and they think I'm one of those, uh, you know, Bible-toting, tongue-talking, casting-out devils Jesus freaks? That's exactly what you want them to think about you. And if they say, you know, are you one of them, you'll say, no, I'm actually a a teacher and a leader in that bunch. (laughs) (laughs) Are you still here? You don't want to be a closet Christian that's ashamed of Jesus. Are you still here? So when it even comes to our physical body, we're talking about the reality of what Jesus really taught and talking about teaching the whole counsel of the Word of God. I mean, we just don't want to hear all bless me scriptures and promises about what God will do. We really want to know God and we want to know the full spectrum of who God is and the way things really are. You know, if, if we thank God for our board members of this church and leadership of this church, but there's things, you know, I'm not afraid to preach this this morning because I'm afraid they're not going to get a pastoral committee together to get me out of here because they didn't like the sermon this morning. Are you still here? But if I preached a sermon on hell in a lot of churches they would be finding a way to get me out of that church because they would not want to hear that. But it's nice to have a church that you don't have to be afraid of what you preach. Can you say amen? And and that, you know, that people respect God, and I'm not saying I'm perfect or any other preacher is perfect, but it's nice to be able to declare. Paul said, uh, you know, he said, I haven't, refrain from declaring the whole counsel of God's word to you. Amen? Jesus talked about these things. He warned people. Paul talked about these things and warned people. We need to talk about, on occasion, as the Lord leads us, the sobriety and seriousness of these things and keep the reality of these things before our eyes. Can you say amen? So, Matthew chapter uh, 10, verse 28, here are more words that Jesus said. He said, And fear not them which kill the body. Jesus said, That's a command. So, well, I don't know if I could do that or not. I might be afraid. Well, you might have some symptoms of fear, but I'll tell you, in every instance in the Word of God, when people stood up for God and His witness, the the Bible says, when you're persecuted, the spirit of glory and the power of God will also come on you. They didn't like Stephen, but the Spirit of God came upon him, and it says that he spoke with wisdom and with power that they couldn't resist. And even when they were stoning him to death for his witness, it says he was looking up into heaven, seeing the glory of God. So if you get in a situation where you're witnessing before people that want to hurt you, the glory of God will come upon you, and it will overwhelm any fear that would try to get on you. Say it with me. I will not be intimidated, and I will not fear anyone or anything that can kill my body. Say it with me. I'm not afraid to die. Amen. You're not. You're not afraid to die. Amen. Praise God. So he said here, and fear not them which are able to kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. They don't have any power over my spirit, over my eternal soul. Can you say amen? He said, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So who are you to fear? (laughs) Who are we to fear? We are able to fear him who has the power over body and soul eternally. Can you say man? So we don't fear man, we do fear God. And the more you fear God, the less you fear man. And so if you're a person that's easily intimidated or a person that's easily controlled or manipulated by other people, uh, you need to ask the Lord to help you get free from that so that you're not intimidated or fearful. Who are they if they don't know God? and they're not walking in the light of God. You know, David, when he met Goliath, uh, all the men in the trenches was calling him, have you seen this this giant? David never called him a giant. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, uncircumcised Philistine, circumcision was the token of the covenant. He was saying, this guy does not have a covenant with God. And he's a heathen, and we're the people of God, and the God of Israel. We're in covenant with the God of Israel, and God is on our side. So, if God is on our side, it don't matter who's on the other side. If God be for us, who can be against us? So, if everybody in the world opposes you, like one guy said, uh, you know, they they said to this guy that was championing a deity of the Lord Jesus Christ back in like the second or third century, they said, "Take care, the whole world is against you." And he stood up and said, "Well, I'm the." Against the whole world. He wasn't a wishy-washy, well-wishing Christian. <laughs> All right. Say hallelujah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So, uh, Jesus issued uh, warnings. Can you say "Man," And it was love to issue warnings. Let me just read, can I read a couple more scriptures and then a few quotes? Uh, We're here in Matthew, go to Matthew 11, just across the page in verse 23. Jesus had uh, left Nazareth and went to the city of Capernaum as the headquarters for his uh, ministry on the Sea of Galilee. And the majority of the miracles that were done that we see recorded in the Gospels happened at Capernaum, a good portion of them. I'd say, I'm just guessing, but 40 or 50 percent of the miracles recorded happened in Capernaum. In other words, the power of God was displayed, the glory of God was displayed in those areas. But there was a lot of rejectors and a lot of people that did not receive him. And notice what Jesus said, although the gospel is the good news, he said about Capernaum, he said, Thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven. In other words, you're a proud city. Is there any proud cities around in our time? You are exalted unto heaven, you shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable. Say more tolerable. More tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. How many knows that Sodom and Gomorrah experienced judgment? But he said these people that rejected the good news of the gospel and rejected him personally as a sent one from God... That it would have been better off to be part of Sodom and Gomorrah than it would have been to be a part of Capernaum, because uh, it would be more tolerable in the day of judgment for uh, Sodomites and, uh, and uh, Gomorrah people than it would have been for uh, the people of Capernaum. Good news, yeah, but still a warning. Can you say amen? So is it love? And do we have a duty to warn? Jesus did. Paul did. I'm not going to get into the pages of notes that I had in connection with Paul warning people. But all through uh, the the got the epistles written to the churches, there was also uh, warnings about these things. <clears throat> Can you say amen? Uh, give me a couple of minutes here. Uh Brother Kenneth Hagin, how many knows we can learn not only from the Word of God, but from the experience of others? He has a little mini book that I encourage you to read that's called I Went to Hell. Uh, Brother Hagin tells about it, experience before he was born again, when he was 16 years old, of dying and going down and how dark it was and the flames of hell and how God spoke when he was right at the gates of hell and he came back up, and that happened three times and then uh, he was born again. The third time he came up, he was praying. And at the top of his voice and when his spirit entered his body, uh, you know, he was born again. And after that, he talked about having peace. And then he he, he almost died another time after that. And then instead of going down to hell, he went up to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so he went both to hell and to heaven. <laughs> at one time we were ushering at uh, one of the meetings there when I was a student and uh, somebody came out of the bookstore and said, you know, I read his book, I Believe in Visions, and he's talked about his going, being caught up to heaven, and he said he's got a book uh, that he went to hell. He said he's been to heaven, he's been to hell. That guy's been everywhere. (laughs) 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 But I encourage you to read that book in conjunction with uh, what we're talking about. But um, these are a few comments from the book. Um. and like I said, I got a lot of pages of notes and I printed them up from my iPad. And so they don't have page numbers on them. So some of them, you know, are kind of out of order here. But we're getting this. Can you say, man? <laughs> say, I'm getting this. <clears throat> uh, he wrote, he said this I wish I had adequate words to describe the horrors of hell. People go through this life so complacently, so unconcerned as if they will not have to face hell. But God's word and my own personal experience tell me different. Well, that's two witnesses right there. We're not putting his experience on the same level as God's word, but his experience does agree with the word of God. He said, I know what it is to be unconscious. It's black when you're unconscious. But there's no blackness to compare with the outer darkness. He said, I began to descend into darkness the third time, and my spirit cried out, God, I belong to the church. Well, how knows that Jesus didn't say, belong to the church and you'll be saved? He said, be born again. Can you say amen? He said, God, I belong to the church. I've been baptized in water. I waited for him to answer, but no answer came, only the echo of my own voice as it came back to mock me. It will take more than church membership. It will take more than baptism in water to miss hell and to make heaven. Jesus said, you must be born again. He said, certainly I believe in being baptized in water, but only after a person is born again. Certainly I believe in joining the church, but only after a person is born again. If you merely join the church and are baptized in water without being born again, you'll go to hell. He proceeded to tell how the Lord brought him back from that horrible place horrible place, and he later wrote of another spiritual experience he uh, experienced years later. This was in in a vision that the Lord uh, ministered to him. He said, Jesus was standing there, and I stood in his presence. He was holding a crown in his hands. The crown was so extraordinarily beautiful that human language cannot describe it. Jesus said to me, this is a soul winner's crown. My people are so careless and indifferent. This crown is for every one of my children. I speak and say, go speak to this one or pray for that one, but my people are too busy. They put it off and souls are lost because they will not obey me. When Jesus said that, I wept before him. I knelt down and repented of my failures. Then Jesus said to me, Come up hither. It seemed as if I went with him through the air until we came to a beautiful city. We did not actually go into the city, but we beheld it at close range as one might go up on a mountain and look down on a city in a valley. Its beauty was beyond words. Jesus said, that people selfishly say they're ready for heaven. They talk about their mansions and the glory of heaven, while many around them live in darkness and hopelessness. Jesus said, I should share my hope with them and invite them to come to heaven with me. Then Jesus turned to me and said, now let's go to hell. And we came back down out of heaven. And when we got to Earth, we didn't stop, but we kept going. Numerous scriptures in the Bible refer to hell as being beneath us. For example, Isaiah fourteen nine says, "Hell from beneath is moved for you at the at, for thee at, to meet thee at your coming." Another scripture says, uh, same chapter verse fifteen: "You'll be brought down to hell." Um, another scripture in Isaiah says, "Hell hath enlarged itself." Uh, and he shall descend into it. Uh, we went down to hell, and as we went into that place, I saw what appeared to be human beings wrapped in flames. I said, Lord, this looks just like it did when I died and came to this place on April 22, 1933. You spoke, and I came back up out of here. I then repented and prayed. Seeking his, uh, then I prayed and sought your forgiveness and you saved me. Only now I feel so different. I'm not afraid nor horrified as I was then. Jesus told me, warn men and women about this place. And I cried out with tears that I would. The Lord told Jesus to share his hope that he had about heaven how many have the blessed hope that you're not going to hell praise God Jesus told him he said warn men and women about this place and I cried out with tears that I would hell wasn't Jesus' primary message can you say man? The love of God, the goodness of God, was his primary message. Our messages are to be love-based and love-motivated. But true love will warn people if it sees them heading toward destruction. So there is a balance. Can you say amen on this? And we do have a duty to warn people. Amen. I want everyone in this church and I want myself to have the beautiful crown that Jesus taught, the soul winner's crown. Can you say amen? We can pray for people. We can be obedient to people. I know the Lord led me to minister to a guy one time and I didn't. And it was just a few days after that that he committed suicide. And I don't know if the blood, well that will be on my hands. I asked the Lord to forgive me of that. But if the Lord moves on our heart to share the good news of the gospel with someone, it doesn't. we're not too busy to share the good news. Can you say amen? We're not too busy. Amen? We're not afraid of what people might think. God wants us to be, we want to be pleased with Him. He wants us to be pleased with Him. Can you say amen? So... You know, I know this is a more sober message. We jump pews here. We shout here. But we also don't lose sight of the reality of eternal, uh, you know, truth. Can you say amen? This is all right? Can I read a few more quotes before we go? These are quotes that men of God have said about... uh, J. Hudson Taylor said, Would that God would make hell so real to us that we cannot rest. Heaven so real to us that we must have men there. Christ so real to us that our supreme motive and aim will be to make the man of sorrows the man of joy by the conversion of many to him. Uh, William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, uh, which is largely today more of a uh, I guess it varies from place to place, but a you know a you know a place where you can get help but um William Booth said most Christian ministries would like to send their recruits to Bible school for five years. I would like to send our recruits to hell for five minutes that would do more than anything else to prepare them for a lifestyle of compassionate ministry. Uh, I also read where he said if every Christian could see into hell for 20 seconds, he said two things would happen. They'd never backslide. And secondly, they would have a compassionate ministry for the lost. And that's my purpose in sharing it this morning, that you and I not backslide and that we have a compassionate ministry to others. Can you say amen? He also said, I consider William Booth the chief dangers which confront the coming century, which we're about 100 years after, will be religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. Dwight Moody said, "No one should ever preach on the topic of hell without a tear in his eye." Praise God! This is not a, a you know, a, a you know, this is a a love thing. Can you say, man? A um, couple of more quotes. <clears throat> It is a very remarkable fact that no inspired preacher of whom we have. Y'all all right? <clears throat> It's a very remarkable fact. This is uh, from C.H. Spurgeon. It's a very remarkable fact that no inspired preacher of whom we have any record ever uttered such terrible words concerning the destiny of the lost as our Lord Jesus Christ. He also said, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned or unprayed for. Here's another quote by C.F. Spurgeon regarding hell. He said, think lightly of hell, and you will think lightly of the cross think little of the sufferings of lost souls and you will soon think little of the Savior who delivers them. Another one said, if I never spoke of hell, I should think I had kept back something that was profitable and should look on myself as an accomplice of the devil. Well, praise God. I'm not an accomplice of the devil. I spoke on hell this morning, okay? <laughs> uh, another person said, this is C.S. Lewis. How I many he's read C.S. Lewis's writing? He said, there is no doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than the doctrine of hell if it lay in my power. But it has the full support of Scripture and especially of our Lord's own words. It has always been held by the Christian church and has the support of reason. A little story, a group of servicemen, army guys, asked their new chaplain if he believed in a real hell for lost sinners. So they're on the battlefield, they ask the chaplain, do you?" new chaplain comes in, they say, do you believe in a hell for lost sinners? And the chaplain smiled and told them that he did not believe in a literal hell. One spoke up and said, then you are wasting our time. If there is no hell, we don't need you. And if there is a hell, you're leading us astray. Either way, we're better off without you. No one spoke more about hell than Jesus did. And the hell he came to save men from was not only a hell on earth, it was something to come. That's a quote by Billy Graham. He also said, I am conscious of the fact that the subject of hell is not a very pleasant one. It's very unpopular, controversial, and misunderstood. As a minister, I must deal with it. I cannot ignore it. One more quote, a little bit longer one. Uh, Many people have reacted to the hellfire and brimstone preaching, as it's called, and said, well, I don't like that kind of preaching. But frankly, I can't remember the last time I heard a hellfire and brimstone preacher. We've swung so far to the other side that we've lost sight of the importance of what the Scripture says and that we need to warn some and they need to know that there are consequences for their sin. To leave that out is to do them a disservice and it is to fail to declare the whole counsel of God. We certainly should not do it in a gleeful manner, but with compassion and love and warning them that the last thing that the Lord wants is for any person created in His image to end up separated from Him in this place called hell. Sometimes people ask, you know... Why would a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't. People make choice to go there themselves. I mean, you know, I could go up on top of this building today and I could either jump off or accidentally fall off and I could say, God broke my leg because He set gravity in motion. But it's not God's fault that I broke my leg or got my a concussion or whatever, because that law is there. And there's a law, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And God so loved us that he sent Jesus, to, his son, to take up on flesh and die for us to remove the penalty of death and of sin. God don't send people to hell. God's died so people don't have to go to hell. Are you still here? So God don't send people to hell. People choose to reject the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God. Praise God, I'm happy that you and I hadn't rejected the love of God. If there's someone here this morning and you don't know uh, if you walked out of this service, if you would go to heaven or you would go to hell, then uh, you need to receive Christ as your Savior. If you once were saved as a child, like we said earlier, church membership don't save you. Coming to church don't make me a Christian any more than going to a barn makes me a cow. Right? I can get in my garage and go beep, 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 but that don't make me a car. And you can go to church and sing with Christians and, and read your Bible, but the Bible says you must be born again. You must believe that Jesus died personally for you and then confess Him as your Lord and your Savior and as your sacrifice and your substitute. Can you say amen? So church membership, don't tell you water baptism won't save you. Now, water baptism is obedience to and a witness of what has happened on the inside, the death, uh, died to sin, raised to newness of life. And uh, we should follow the Lord in baptism. And if you hadn't been water baptized and want to be, we're going to have a water baptism here in about four weeks on the other side of Easter. We already have some that want to be. And so uh, that's good and right, but water baptism won't save you. It's faith in the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus that makes a person a new creation in Christ Jesus and washes their sins away. Can you say amen? So those things won't save you. And if you never have been saved, if you don't know you'd go to heaven when you walk out those doors, then you need to talk to someone this morning and you need to know that you're born again, and that your sins are forgiven, and that Jesus is your Lord. You don't have to go to hell. I'm so happy this morning. I know I'm a little bit, you know, uh, tender this morning because of the subject matter and the sobriety of this. Uh, but you don't you don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. <laughs> I'm going to heaven. He's going to heaven. <laughs> he knows Jesus. So we do have to incorporate the reality of this matter. Maybe next Sunday we'll talk about heaven. Hey, and we'll all shout together. But we need to know where the other guy is at. So if we have an opportunity to share the good news with him, that we don't pass that by and we realize what's at stake. Can you say amen? Stand up with us. I know I went just a minute or two over. I thank y'all for the privilege. I'm learning to minister better. Y'all are learning to listen better. When we both get perfect on that, we'll all have it, you know, just... Which will be when? (laughs) Praise God. Amen. We're going to go ahead and dismiss. If you need to talk to someone about your salvation or you need to recommit your life to Christ this morning, there will be an altar care worker that would love to meet you and is filled with the love of God and the truth of God to help you to pray with you. Amen? And don't go out this morning not knowing the Master and knowing the power of His salvation that He brought. Can you say amen? We're going to pray for the lost more. We're going to witness more. We're going to believe more to be a greater witness. We're going to support those that are going and rescuing the lost. Can you say amen? Father, we do thank you for the wonderful grace that you've extended and love you've extended toward us. Thank you for sending the Lord Jesus Christ for us. We thank you, Father, that his his death was our death, that his punishment was ours, that he was a lamb, a substitute, and that he has borne the burden, the debt in full, and that we go free today uh, in the grace and the beauty of your love without having to suffer separation from you or hell or any of the wages of sin. Lord, we're redeemed. We're free. We thank you for helping us to live a life that uh, uh, adorns that, And we thank you for helping us to win people uh, to the cause of Christ, to the uh, eternal life that you've so freely given us so that we have a soul winner's crown when we arrived in heaven. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, God bless you. You're dismissed. And uh, have a good rest of your day. If you need to pray with someone, uh, as we go out, you can come up. This message has been brought to you by Faith Builders Family Church. To learn more, please visit our website www.faithbuilderschurch.net This message has been brought to you by Faith Builders Family Church. To learn more, please visit our website www.faithbuilderschurch.net